Hey folks, Winston from HubSpot here. Yes, yes, the very same company that makes this podcast. But they also make some killer marketing, sales, and service software. Later in the episode, we'll hear from one of HubSpot's customers that's a shrine to all things rock and roll. Learn more about how HubSpot can help you grow your business at HubSpot.com slash customer love. <laughs> okay. I'm going to say it. I know. I'm already cringing at the thought of it. But safe space here between your two ears. Okay. Camping? Tents? Hiking out to a spot only to sleep on the ground? All of it. Not really my bag. I mean, yurts, glamping, tree houses. That's something even I can get behind. Regardless of how you enjoy getting outdoors, the point's really just to get out there, right? Alyssa Ravazio, the founder and CEO of HipCamp, is redefining what it means to get outside by unlocking access to more spaces for more people. HipCamp's been called the Airbnb of camping. You can book everything from a secluded campsite along a river bend to a warm and cozy bed inside a vintage Airstream trailer. But the path to founding HipCamp was anything but well-trodden. Alyssa left behind a life working at the State Department, taught herself to code so she could build HipCamp herself, all to finally, on launch day, hear crickets. It'd be another four months before the company's first actual customer. That's trying times for any first-time founder. Alyssa talks about the strength and confidence she found in camping at a young age. The three questions she needed to answer before deciding whether or not to found HipCamp, and why word of mouth marketing is the kindling to the company's campfire. I'm Megan Keeney Anderson, and this is The Gross Show. Hi, Alyssa. Hey, Megan. How's it going? Uh, it's going well. Thanks so much for asking. I want to get something out of the way right up front. Just a little bit of a confession I'm not the biggest outdoors person. But luckily you are. So I'm hoping that we can start off by having you, you know, convince me to become an outdoors person. If there is one place on this planet that you think would convince me, that would captivate and really draw me into being an outdoorsy person, where would you send me? That's a great question. You know, it's a, it's a question to which the answer very much uh, varies seasonally. And considering that it's the spring right now following a very wet and rainy winter, I would definitely send you to the deserts of Southern California for the super bloom right now. When you see acres of wildflowers blooming all at once, all together, and the desert really coming to life like that, it's a real uh, mindset shifter, at least for me. Mm -hmm. And so I think getting outside in the desert this time of year is just, it's pure magic. And also a confession from my side, you know, I'm actually not a super pro expert outdoors person myself. I was fortunate to camp growing up. My family would take us on trips and I have friends that have planned trips, but actually hip camp and the energy I had to start the company came from 
feeling like I wasn't an expert and yet wanting to get outside and, and feeling like the whole thing was just too difficult and too obscure and too hard to figure out. And so Hip Camp's mission is to get more people outside. And we really mean the more, including people like you who maybe like uh, nature and, <laughs> and getting outside, but aren't quite sure how to, you know, make a camping trip work. And so a lot of our platform yeah. is about making sure you have the right information, but also a lot of our hip camps themselves are places you can go even if you don't have all the gear. Um, we've got places oh, yeah. like tree houses or yurts or uh, little cabins that actually have a bed or all the you know equipment you need set up already. So it doesn't have to be as hard as you think it is. Now, you you know, you could have just started with tree houses because I have a major <laughs> Swiss Family Robinson thing and uh, I, you would have had me at tree houses. But that that's amazing. When you look back to your childhood, what do you remember most about camping with your family? Yeah, camping with my family over the summer was always my favorite part of the year. I would say um, I remember having trips where I really feel like that was the time I got to spend quality time with my sisters. I have two little sisters and I remember going on these massive adventures down and up these massive river gorges, which, you know, if we went back now might not seem so massive, but <laughs> back then felt huge. And so it was just really a time for me to connect with my family. And on a really personal level for me, it was a time when I remember deepening my connection to myself and really my, mm -hmm. my confidence in myself. I was like a pretty nerdy kid in school. And so I remember camping trips in the summer being the times when I would really reconnect with the fact that I was strong or that I liked myself mm -hmm. or that I could get across this river. I remember going home after camping trips and then insisting on sleeping in my sleeping bag uh, for <laughs> weeks after the trip with all the windows open in my room because I wanted to hold on to that feeling of connection to self and honestly connection to the greater natural world. I love animals. Um, I always have. I love plants. And mm -hmm. I think for me, camping was a chance to feel really connected with the rest of the world. All right. Well, let's let's talk about the company that you're building. You, you gave me a sense of what led into it and what you were trying to achieve. But very briefly, what is HipCamp? HipCamp is a platform that unlocks access to private land for outdoor recreation. So over 60% of the U.S. is privately owned. And for too long, that land has been behind no trespassing signs and barbed wire fences. Mm -hmm. And Hip Camp finds people who have land in areas that you want to go to and supports them in both creating those campsites, um, having insurance, handling marketing, payment processing software, all of that. So it's really a platform that's making it possible for people to get outside and areas they couldn't go before. Now, I understand how you find the people that want to camp, but how do you find the people to turn their property into campsites? That is the probably most important question facing the company every single day. We find landowners through, you know, pretty much every way we can. So a lot of it's just hustle and grit and outreach. Um, but increasingly what we're learning and what we're really starting to invest in is especially in markets where we have reached a few landowners and they're starting to do well, people are now coming to us and, and reaching out to us and wanting to learn more about the opportunity that we have. So in those cases, especially investing in marketing and making sure that our name is top of mind for people and that, you know, when people hear their neighbor down the road is earning money from this platform called HipCamp, having a really great internal process um, where those people right. can get information and, and can learn what they need to learn to be able to sign up. So 
we really balance, you know, putting a lot of energy out there in terms of recruitment with making sure that the people who are increasingly coming to us through word of mouth are, you know, getting what they need and finding from day one that we can be really the partner that they're looking for and getting into this new venture. How many sites do you have across the U.S. today? We've got about 30,000 sites across the U.S., a little over 300,000 acres. How long did it take to, to get that many? We started doing this in the summer of 2015. We started with a single ranch. This was a big question for the company at the time, both in terms of, you know, would people want to camp on private land and are there private landowners who are interested in, in hosting campers? And, you know, it was really about 2016 when we felt like we got that resounding yes and started Mm. putting the effort into building a team that could really start to reach landowners across the country and and bring this inventory onto the platform. Yeah, that really gives more power to the concept of word of mouth for it to spread that fast. That's really interesting. So this is your first company, very first venture that you set out on. And your path here was not as direct as most might think. So tell me a bit about where you came from before hip camp? Sure. So I, I'm a huge fan of the internet in addition to the outdoors. <laughs> and so I created a major at UCLA really just to study the impact of, of what was this technology doing to our government, to our media, to our society. And so coming out of school, I actually went and worked at the State Department for a while on internet policy, which was super interesting. And then I helped start a couple other companies, and both I was actually the first employee. So just got this really interesting up-close-and-personal view on what does it take to start a company from nothing and, and really saw you know the amount of work and effort and, and, to be honest, luck that's required in those situations. Fun fact, I was actually fired from uh, that second job. <laughs> and That is not a fun fact at all. <laughs> that sounds very unfun. You know, it was unfun at the time, I would say, but looking back on it, it was, you know, the greatest gift I could have ever asked for because mm-hmm. it created a moment in my life where instead of, I've always been very, you know, success and achievement oriented and to kind of get knocked on your butt like that just gives you a moment to sit back and say, okay, well, where do I go from here and why and what really matters to me? And I, I was able to do a bit of traveling during that time, uh, a bit embarrassingly cliche, but it really worked in that I was able to connect with the fact that I did want to start a company. And in particular, um, you know, the idea for Hip Camp kind of came right in that, that period as well. And so it kind of gave me the the space I needed to choose my path forward intentionally mm. and haven't haven't looked back since. And as part of that, I also learned how to program. So that was the other big decision that came out of that is after seeing a couple startups from up close and personal, I knew that for starting my own, I really wanted to be able to code. I really wanted to be able to build the website myself. And so the first version of HipCamp, which I built in 2013, was really kind of like the first project I took on after going through a coding school. See, that's fascinating to me because typically in that situation, the response is, I need to go find a technical Mm co-founder. And you decided to instead become the technical co-founder. Exactly. So the biggest barrier to me in starting this company was needing it to be coded. And, you know, I, uh, I'll be honest, I tried to work with technical co-founders as well. And, um, you know, it's it's one, it's hard to find someone who really shares your vision and passion. And that's part of why co-founders are so valuable if you do have them. Um, the flip side of that, to be honest, was, you know, as a young female in San Francisco, 
it was shocking how often someone said they wanted to build a website with me and then actually wanted to date me. <laughs> and that oh, cycle no. got pretty tiring pretty quickly. And, and it was actually one particular moment where I thought I had my co-founder and then, you know, it, it turned into this of, can, can we also be dating? And I was like, all right, <laughs> I'm learning how to code. This is ridiculous. <laughs> are we co-founders or are we lovers? Yeah. More with Alyssa after this quick break. In case you hadn't heard, Cleveland rocks. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, it really has all of the different sounds associated with rock. You've got blues, R&B, soul, funk, jazz, punk. We are definitely a music lover's bucket list destination. That's Ellie of Senek. I am the director of content marketing at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Rock Hall is home to the memories and memorabilia of rock and roll legends. And its hallowed halls attract visitors and partners almost all on their own. Now, that's great for attendance numbers. But for Ellie, she found herself, well, dancing in the dark. We didn't really know a lot about how people got to us, what's driving visitors here, and at the same time wondering what are the different kinds of people who want to come to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. She couldn't reach out to customers, see where they'd be visiting from, or what else they'd be interested in seeing. Ellie and her team of 12 basically we wanted more than to just send an email to every address that we had. She needed something that could unify her team and easily message with people looking to visit the Rock Hall. Ellie saw the community was plugged into Facebook, so she used HubSpot's Messenger integration. You can tell that these people are really passionate about these artists, and there was a lot of common visitor-facing questions, and the answers were actually on our website. So we'll create a menu based on the top things that people are asking about. We want to connect with fans. We want to let them know they've been heard. So it's really important to respond and to engage. HubSpot's integration with Messenger took the guesswork out of where customers were coming from, what they were looking for, and how to reach them. So if there was an event that night at the Rock Call, Ellie could message ticket holders to let them know about parking or traffic. Messenger helped Ellie meet folks where they preferred to communicate with all the context she needed. We want all the fans who come to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to have an amazing experience from beginning to end. And if the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame didn't use HubSpot, we would still not know who our visitors are and what kind of experience they want. So whether you're a fan of David Grohl or David Byrne, at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, there's something for everyone. Check out more stories from our customers at hubspot.com slash customer love. HubSpot. Grow better. So you get the capacity, you get the skill set. Why do you think you started with HipCamp? What is it about this vision, this problem to solve that made you decide this is what you wanted your first company to be? I had a really important conversation with Steve Huffman early on. He's the co-founder of both Reddit and Hipmunk and just mm. an incredible entrepreneur. And I had a lot of angst early on about starting HipCamp. And I asked him, I was like, hey, should I go start this company? And he had a really great three-step process to run me through that was incredibly impactful. The first was, does this company solve a problem that you've personally experienced? Which for Check. me, it definitely did. Check. And then the second question was, do other people also experience this problem? Like, make sure you're not a market of one. And at mm -hmm. that point, you know, I had enough friends who were into the outdoors. And every time I mentioned this to them, people were like, oh, yeah, camping's terribly broken. This is interesting. And so I was like, okay, check. Like, that one too. 
And then his third question was, would people pay you if you solve this problem? And I mm-hmm. thought back to, you know, the camping trip that actually inspired me to create the company. And I, you know, even in that moment when I was unemployed and broke, I realized that, wow, yeah, if someone had a solution for me, I would have been happy to pay an extra 10 maybe $20 to have a, a solution in hand. And when I was able to answer yes to those three questions, he just looked at me and said, do it. Like, yes, yes, yes. Don't look back. Even if you completely fail, like you'll learn something. Yeah. Because you're you're at least tackling a space that should be able to support the creation of a company. How soon after? Was it immediate? Yeah. So as soon as I finished the the class, I actually just started coding up the, the site right after. So um, huh. it was pretty quick. Although, you know, it actually, to be honest, you know, for the first couple of months, I was, you know, I, I put my head down, I built the site, I had, you know, my sisters and my friends mm-hmm. helping me compile all the images and content we needed. And I launched and I was so excited. And I thought, you know, it's just going to be overwhelmed by by demand and and then no one used the website for like months and it was this huge letdown <gasps> moment it was devastating it was definitely the hardest yeah. you know hardest darkest uh part of of the company for sure and so you know it took one person i had one person book about 4 months after i launched the site and that moment changed everything for me mm-hmm. and it was you know getting that first person to book on the website that i was like okay like that's market market of one, but that's market validation. <laughs> and um, that was really when I committed to the the idea and the company. So you started HipCamp really focused on public land. And I wonder if you could tell us a little bit more about the path to platform. So the first few years of the company, it was basically an aggregator of public campgrounds and a chance for the community to add reviews and photos and educate each other on the best camping and outdoor recreation opportunities out there. Uh-huh. A couple years into that, two really important things happened. One was that we learned again and again from our community. We were doing lots of interviews and user feedback. And people kept telling us, you know, this website's great, but everything's actually booked up already. And so it's not very helpful. I'm not actually finding what I need and getting to go camping. And that was just this felt like this insurmountable challenge at the time. I was going up to Sacramento and asking state parks to build more campgrounds and they were explaining to me why they weren't going to do that. And, you know, private land was this very, like, it was a big leap, but it was the only way to solve the problem. The problem was that camping was too hard. There was nowhere to go camping. And so we just had to go create those campsites. So that's what we did with private land. And that was in, again, 2015, 2016. Public land has always been on the site. Uh, We really view it as the backbone that we're building on top of. And it's only been in the last few weeks that we finally got the data back about what's available within campgrounds across federal land. And that process has been almost like this parallel journey to Hip Camp's main story in that we've actually, you know, helped start a grassroots advocacy group that lobbied for open data about our parks. And that started way back in 2015. And we had some really big wins there. And, you know, now in 2019, some of that work is finally coming to fruition. And so now on HipCamp, you can see, you know, when you put in your dates, let's say you go to the site and you look for something next weekend, you can now see stuff across both public and private land. Wow. That's the shift. Yeah, that's the big shift. But that's pretty recent. 
that was kind of the core idea. We were able to get, just through a lot of cold calling, uh, companies <laughs> like REI and organizations like the Sierra Club and Code for America on board. We were able to get members of Congress to send a letter to the parks. Uh, we were able to get some press around it. Our big advantage there was that President Obama's first executive order when he took office was actually about making open data the default for all federal uh. agencies. And so, you know, the parks and the leadership in parks, they want to make sure that parks are relevant for, you know, all the generations to come. And the data out there is a little scary. You know, the average park user is is getting older and doesn't really represent the future of America. And so they're looking actively for ways to you know, increase their relevance um, to more people. And so this was a way for them to accomplish their, you know, biggest and loftiest goals as well. Yeah. One big question I have for you is, you know, HipCamp has gotten very, very popular. You're very good at what you do. But with any sort of a platform business, there always is a supply and demand balance that you have to maintain. Is there a tipping point to access for people looking to get outdoors that will overrun these sites that you and HipCamp are keen to sort of protect? Yeah, so a lot of what we do um, when we reach out to private landowners is actually distribute the use um, of the outdoors. And so instead of everybody trying to get into Yosemite Valley on Memorial Day weekend with, you know, traffic lines Mm -hmm. out through the tunnel by an hour, um, what a lot of what we're educating people on is all the incredible nature that is maybe closer to them or in areas that are less discovered. You know, redefining a bit about what it means to go outside. It doesn't have to mean summiting the tallest peak in the state. It might mean um, hanging out on an awesome farm for the weekend. It might mean staying in a treehouse and some redwoods. <laughs> um, and a lot of that can happen closer to home and in areas that aren't the quote-unquote big hits where everyone's always frustrated with the lines and the traffic. Uh, we, we really want to mm-hmm. get people into more areas as well. Yeah, it seems inherent to this is a desire to get more people outside, get more people to all of these locations exploring the outdoors. What are some of the ways that HipCamp is working to build that movement of people, a growing number of people who feel drawn to the outdoors in all of its many facets? I think the desire to get outside is like this giant tidal wave that's only starting to build. Um, You know, I really look at it as a really natural and adaptive response to our modern society. So if you look at urbanization, and you look at the amount through which we're now just surrounding ourselves with technology and alerts and screens, um, it's really natural that people are feeling the need for a counterpost, um, a chance to kind of disconnect from all that. And so I yeah. view the kind of movement to get outside as just this giant wave that we are we're part of and definitely um, helping to accelerate. Um, some of the ways that we're really... I would say accelerating that is uh, redefining what it means to get outside. A lot of the outdoor industry has been kind of um, plagued a bit by this really narrow, um, specific, masculine, uh, intense image of what the outdoors looks like. And a lot of it is focused on conquering the tallest peak or man versus nature and man wins. And that narrative is really exclusionary to a lot of people that don't 
you know, have that desire and maybe don't feel that level of uh, comfort or safety in the outdoors. And so, you know, I think really from a deep cultural level, redefining what it means to get outside in a way that's more accessible to people um, and more inclusive of all the different ways, you know, for you going outside might be sitting down by the beach and writing in your journal. And that's mm-hmm. great. Um, that sounds like heaven. Yeah, that's probably my favorite way to do it. So um, I think, you know, redefining what it means and making sure people know that they don't have to be an intense, hardcore, you know, summiter to get outside is is one huge way that we're accelerating that. And then, you know, probably the, the biggest way, though, is really unlocking access to more places. Mm-hmm. As more and more people want to go outside, a lot of our public lands, which are already at capacity, are getting, you know, dangerously and sometimes um, destructively over capacity. How are you involving your users and your customers in building that movement too? You know, a lot of our hip camp hosts that join actually hear about us from campers. Um, It seems like a lot of our campers and people who use the platform from the demand side, you know, once they've seen what's possible from an income standpoint and from an experience standpoint, they think of someone in their life who might also, you know, benefit from this platform. It probably also doesn't hurt that these places are incredibly photogenic. That does not hurt either. Yeah, I love um, biophilia, which is the concept that, you know, all humans have an innate love for nature and plants and animals. There's actually something hardwired into us from an evolutionary perspective that uh, makes us feel happy when we look Mm -hmm. at plants and uh, vistas and, and especially water. People love water. So um, we view that as a great way to inspire people to get outside. We've got a great program called Field Scouts where we'll actually pay photographers to go camping and share their photos with us. Um, oh, and so, wow. Yeah, and so that's a huge way that we've been able to grow as a company. Word of mouth has always been our primary growth vector um, from day one until today. And so we've actually thought as a company really strategically and intentionally about how to how to foster that. And of course, having a great product, a great platform, a great experience, great customer support, um, those are table stakes. You have to have that. But then to really fuel word of mouth growth, we think a lot about just media in general and connections and who are the people who are in positions where they can reach a bigger number of people and how can we make sure those people know about the platform and how can we really build systems where people enjoy talking about the company and have the right assets and ability to do that. So Yeah. Well, and it also strikes me that the reason why everyone goes to Yosemite or the reason why everyone goes to Joshua Tree is there is a history there and there's a level of trust there that you may not have in some of the newer sites. But the more well-trodden that path is, to use a very (laughs) (laughs) apropos uh, metaphor, the more accustomed, more trustworthy it'll feel to go camp somewhere new for the first time. Absolutely. I mean, I'm a huge believer in the power of brand and really a brand's ability to communicate that trust. But when it comes down to it, people trust people, not companies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, you know, being able to see reviews from other people who have been to a certain hip camp, there's just no replacement for that. That's That's really the most important part. Yeah. One of the things that you're doing is inherently getting people to think about conservation and to think about sustainability because of just the the glory of these places that they're visiting. I know there are more and more companies that want to work towards those sort of shared goals and values of sustainability. Do you have any advice for companies that are looking to build that into their business, even if it's not 
directly outdoors related? I love the way you asked that question and really appreciate it because I think the key is really building it into the business itself. You know, honestly, I have a pretty low tolerance for companies that, let's say, have a pretty messy or destructive supply chain, Mm. but then throw a little bit of money at a marketing campaign to try to uh, do something environmentally friendly. And I would really, you know, I really think it's important for all companies, including ours, to really think about their overall impact as an organization and, and make that better. Figure out what you can do as a company to support your local community and your local environment. Our number one company value is leave it better. And we really believe that's possible on a personal level as well as on a societal level. We think humans have the potential to leave the whole planet better if we orient around that and prioritize towards that. And so we're constantly looking for ways to do that as an organization. All right, softball one for you. Is it the journey or the destination? It's definitely got to be the journey. I'm not even sure there is a destination anymore. (laughs) What do you mean by that? It's really the process, I would say, of building and growing this company and the day-to-day that is where I find the most reward, right? It's like the little things that you see over time that build up instead of these big moments that you expect will mean so much. For example, you know, recently I was at a hip camp and I got to meet this mom who had booked all these camping trips with hip camp and she was talking about how her son now wants to be a farmer when he grows up. And I just kind of had this moment. I was like, whoa, like that's really cool. Like this this kid's idea of you know, what it means to, you know, grow up in America has changed. He thinks farming could be cool and he has a really good idea of what that could look like. And, you know, those moments, those aren't, you know, in any way destinations for me, but those are the things that I find along the journey that really keep me excited to do this and and make me want to, you know, scale it around the whole globe. So I think it's definitely got to be the journey. Alyssa, thank you so much for the time. You're certainly leaving it better than you found it. I'm excited about what you and HipCamp are doing. Thank you so much, Megan. Thanks for having us. Today's episode was produced by Matthew Brown with additional help from Isis Madrid. If you're a fan of the show, I always love to hear from you. You can send a note to hello at thegrowthshow.com or find me on Twitter at Meg H. Keeney. Fair warning, I hope you like pictures of my dog and bad puns. Next week, we're grabbing a can of wine and talking about how to balance your company's success while managing your personal life. As always, I'm Megan Keeney Anderson, and thanks for listening. <laughs>